This week's episode is in partnership with Natal, a podcast docuseries about having a baby while Black in the U.S., passing the mic to Black parents to tell their stories of bringing new life into this world in their own words. The docuseries also highlights the birth workers, researchers, policymakers, and activists fighting daily for better care for Black birthing parents. Tune into Natal wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit them at www.natalstories.com for bonus content, their community blog, and resource hub. And be sure to follow at Natal Stories on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Taylor Lucas. With both of her sons, she had an unplanned adventure. While neither experiences what she expected, she describes them as helping her dig within herself to find a voice to advocate for herself, her strength and determination. Aspects she hopes to encourage others to use in their own community. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So um, I am 26. I always have to remind myself that. (laughs) Um, 26 from Chicago. And I am actually in graduate school right now, getting my master's in clinical counseling. And I have two sons are married and um, we have a son like splendid family and then um, two together. And it's my little baby, Ezra. He's right here on the bed. Here, hold on a second. <laughs> oh, hello. And Azaric is sleeping right now, so he probably will join us at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Um, so tell us a little bit about each of your pregnancies then. Let's dig right into it. Yeah. So for Azaric, like the moment um, that we conceived, I just knew I was pregnant. I knew right away. I was like, yes, you know, I was so excited. And I like started eating great, like just doing everything that you're supposed to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, um, I ended up having uh, hyperemesis, so like I, I don't even remember how much weight I ended up losing. But within the first like, within the first um, like month or two, it was it was really bad, and so like I couldn't eat anything. Like I was making smoothies, everything. Like it just wasn't you know working, and so I'm like I planned everything he was planned I was just doing all this research and unfortunately like sorry I'm trying to latch on um unfortunately I just could not keep anything down and it was funny like all these friends and family they're like I've never even heard of this like how can you not eat especially after the second and third trimester like I remember I was throwing up until the end so I ended up getting on bed rest and which was really nice because I, I worked majority of the pregnancy, but um, it was maybe around the 34th week or so uh, I got put on bed rest. And it was nice because it was my time like really to reflect and like 
get everything ready and nest and like, okay, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to have this unmedicated natural birth and it's going to be amazing. Um, and so like we walked all the time, like literally I had a routine. So get up in the morning, even though I still wasn't able to keep anything down. I like, you know, try to get a smoothie in or try to eat something. If it would come up, it was whatever, but literally like, we would walk all the time or I'd do the ball. Like I just was always trying to keep moving and exercise and do yoga. So that way when I came time to like give birth, like I would kind of be ready, I guess. Like all the stuff I was reading was like, Oh, move your hips and do these like figure eights. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I just really was doing that, especially within the last six weeks since I was on like bed rest. Um, So, yeah, like, I, I really thought that um, that's what was going to happen, and I was in control, and that's really kind of, like, how I am as a person. Like, I try to prepare, but it always ends up not coming out the way that I want <laughs> So, um, one, on one of our walks, I was on the way, I was on the phone with my sister-in-law, and I was just like, um because she's like it's supposed to be any day now right and I was just like yeah but and she's like are you dilated any and I was like no I don't think so and I don't know why like I just was like well let me go check and find out and see if I'm dilated so I went to the hospital and um hey I went to the hospital and she was like, no, you're not dilated at all. Shut it down. Like, she just, like, I know. Because I was just so eager. Like, I was like, it's cool. feel so deflated. <laughs> like, I'm really working here. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's not. And she was, she, she could tell that I was, you know, like, anxious and wanting him to come and she's like you know keep doing everything you're doing it's great you're walking it'll probably maybe it'll help you know whatever like I mean technically you're only a few days past it's only three days past your due date so you're okay hey Bubba and so literally I'm she was like we're gonna discharge you keep on walking and this is where it begins with a (laughs) Zarek so they discharging me. I call my husband. I'm like, hey, you know, they're discharging me. Like, I'm, re- I'm going to go home, put on the burgers. You know, I get all my stuff, I get all my clothes on. And then the nurse runs back in and it's like, you're getting induced. And I was like, right. <laughs> I was what like, changed? I was like, what? I have I have my clothes on and my husband's on the phone like I'm not saying anything <laughs> and he's like hello was hello and, I, and I'm like what why am I getting induced and he can hear but like I'm not talking to him I'm talking to the nurse and she's like well his heart rate dipped a little bit so we're just with your doctor said we think that we should induce you plus I mean like you're already past your due date anyway and I just broke down like it mm. was if. I don't know, like, everything I ever heard about getting induced or I don't know what it was, but I just was so fearful in that moment hearing her say, like, well, you know, you're having him now. And I'm like, you just told me I was getting ready to go. I was still fully clothed. Like, it was bizarre. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah. Um, and so I got undressed. They put all my stuff in the wheelchair. Hey, you think I'm talking to you? I'm talking about your brother. <laughs> um, and I'm literally sobbing, like as I, I'm going. They're like wheeling me to the hall, with, like to the you know labor and delivery part, because I was in the labor and delivery triage. And it's so funny because all the nurses, they get so excited when the mom, like, crosses over, they call it. And they're like, yay, congrats, you're going to do great. Like, they're cheering me on, and I'm literally, like, full-blown <laughs> tears. Like, like and they're like, my energy here. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, wait. You see my face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, and then one of them even asked, like, are, wait, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not supposed to get induced. This is not supposed to happen. Like, it was just bizarre. So, I mean, they just literally within night and day, like, it just changed. And so they obviously, you know, put me on the Pitocin, did all that, had horrible, horrible contractions. I didn't get an epidural with a Zarek up until I was seven around seven centimeters uh, dilated. And so, like, that's kind of like the same with, with Ezra as well, like the, the youngest baby. So, like, it was just really, really difficult. And I didn't feel like I was listening to it all from the beginning with the Zarek because I was doing all this prep. And I was, like, saying, you know, obviously I'm just here to get checked. Like, I didn't – I wasn't expecting to go into labor <laughs> – and literally, they're saying, yeah, you're getting induced. And from them, that point on, I was trying to, like, find my voice throughout the process. And I just really couldn't. Like, every, every measure they were saying, you know, we want to do, I didn't want to do. <laughs> but I just was like, okay, well, I just have to listen to you because, like, apparently, you know, because it's heart rate. And then it's like, because I'm not ready to have the baby like my body isn't ready and it's like medicine making me ready he's fighting it and it was just like it was so horrible like my husband was looking at the monitor the whole time he's like Kayla you have to breathe you have to relax because we just kept seeing like his heart drop mm -hmm. so for with the Zarek I remember like I just wasn't progressing you know, after I got the Pitocin, it was, I believe it was about, I got it at um, around six in the evening. And then I still, like, wasn't pressing. Like, and then I didn't really get any news about any new, like, dilating or um, anything like that until about nine the next morning. So the whole time, I'm just, like, having contractions, just... This is me and my husband in there. I remember my, my best friend flew in from California, and she made it that day. So it was the only positive, <laughs> you know, with that night um, with, in regards to him, like, you know, being there. Because, like, I was just in labor and having all these contractions and then kept, like, checking me and doing all these things. And it was just like, okay, what's going on? And I'm not progressing. So it was really tough. Um... And then at about, I would say at about 11, it just kind of turned from, we're going to let you try to, you know, dictate or try to 
you go into labor yourself to like, okay, you need, you need to sit. It's like that little balloon thing they put in between your legs. It's like a peanut ball or something. Yeah. It's a peanut ball. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll try to do this. You're still not progressing. Okay, like, this isn't working. They were just literally, and then they kept, then they started to use the cesarean language. All right, well, if you're you're not dilating anymore, then we're going to have to give you a cesarean. And that's when I literally started to text and call all my family because they know me. (laughs) That was the only rule I had. I was like, I'm not getting a C-section. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not getting one. (laughs) And so, um... I called, I remember I called my grandma and she, she was like, it's going to be okay, Kayla. And I was like, no, it's not. And, um, I was like, can you please pray for me? And she was like, I've been praying. And I was like, well, you're not praying hard enough. (laughs) Like, I need to pray to change now. Right. (laughs) Like, I don't really, you know, you're not praying hard enough. (laughs) Um, and then it was, it was at that moment, maybe about an hour or so after that, that's when he fought, my doctor came back and it was finally like, oh, okay, you are, you know, you're, you're right there. Um, I'm just going to move something a little bit. She, I don't know why I wasn't dilating correctly. So it was kind of like a half or like a crescent moon instead of like a circle. Mm-hmm. So she just lifted up my cervix and he was right there. Mm-hmm. And so I would say like during the pushing process, I don't know how, but I just like blocked everyone out. Like I just kind of felt like it was either like the universe, ancestors, God, whatever you want to want to call it was like right there with me and telling me when to push because the doctors were saying, okay, now. And I was like, no, it's not right now. Like, I know, I don't know. I just had a connection with my son at that point when it was time to push because the past 24 hours, it was like, I was disconnected from him. I couldn't feel him in any way. Like all I was seeing was like monitors that his heart was racing, but like, I was just so out of it. And also scared because everyone's telling me like you have to get a cesarean when I 24 hours prior I was walking three miles just chilling and wanted to see if I was getting dilated I was thinking that I'm literally thinking like I should have just stayed at home or I sh- it was just my fault I always have to know everything <laughs> Oh. it was curiosity you're like you know what my body is doing something you know you could feel something working and just especially the first baby it's just like I want to know like is this working is this you know my right. body doing the thing it's supposed to do you know yeah and it was just like I think especially with Azaric because like you said, it was your first time. And I had all the, like, the time to do all this, the entire pregnancy, even though, like, it seemed like nothing was going right. I was like, okay, well, every day I got up and tried to really, like, prepare myself for, like, the natural delivery. So I was always trying to do, like, all these healthy things and 
make sure that even if I didn't feel well, like I have so many videos of me dancing, <laughs> mm-hmm. dancing, like, you know, when I was pregnant or just like, just trying to be positive and, you know, prepare for like, just a natural birth or make sure my body was okay. And I kind of felt like in that moment, especially with the doctors that like, I was kind of like failing myself because I really wasn't, I never got that feeling of, okay, well, now this is happening. My body's telling me to do that. And, you know, now it's going to be born. And so, you know, to, to go back and look at it, like when, when she actually said, okay, yeah, it's time to push. I felt connected with him. I was like, this is the moment that I was like really wanting this whole entire time. Like, mm-hmm. and and although I had an epidural, like I, ended up, you want to tell the story too? You weren't even here yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> so although, um, you know, I had the epidural, like I ended up turning it down so that I could really feel my contractions. Like, um, and it was like, now this is my body telling me to push. That's when I was doing it. I really wasn't doing it when they said to do it. Um, it was more so like me listening to myself. And um, that honestly, I think because I had the experience with Azaric and because it was so much like, I would say like doctors' inter- interventions, I really, really tried to not listen to the doctors at all with Ezra. <laughs> to the point where, like, when, you know, hey, okay, you want, you want to see her? You want to be on the show. You too. You ready for your turn? Yes. Um, to the point with Ezra where I like really was almost refusing any any and every intervention. Mm-hmm. So I think like in between the twenty months that I had to process that, or really ten months, um, to process like okay, I'm gonna have another one. I just totally shut off. Like no. Not doing doctors this time. They can't tell. I can have this birth experience the way I want it. And so, yeah. Some of us became hypervision. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. (laughs) And it's understandable. I mean, that that happens a lot in life with with just different things in general. Something happens, and you're like, now what could I have done differently? You know? the first time that would change my outcome or make the experience better. It's not necessarily the outcome, but the actual experience leading up because you still have a positive birth. It's outcome. It's just the experience just became really challenging. How long was it before your husband actually arrived at the hospital? So he, it's funny, (laughs) Uh, when I called him, and or when I called him back, because mind you, he was on the phone and like didn't really hear what was going on, but he heard like me freaking out. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I called him back, I was like, "I'm getting induced. It's happening." And then I remember him 
telling his coworker, Rob, I have to go. Like, it was just so funny. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone at his job knew that, you know, we were having a baby. So it was like baby watch hour. <laughs> um, so I believe it was maybe like 30 minutes. It wasn't that long. But just thinking, like, I remember the time when, you know, they got me settled in the room. And, um, you know, before he got there, it was just really scary because I just, like I said, you know, when you're not prepared, like, it's just really difficult. Mm -hmm. So most of your pregnancy, though, like, as you were preparing, I know you talked about, like, how you chose to eat, keeping your body moving. Those are ways that you prepared. You just weren't mentally prepared for kind of like the sudden change of having how did you use how did you prepare for Ezra's birth after that one? So for Ezra's birth, I was more um I would say I was more accepting of the fact that like birth and how it happens like is not predictable like it literally isn't so like this is not something we can prepare for we can try to prepare for it but even if we you know do that it really is not going to happen and even in the sense that like I had a big um a big project due for school the day after his due date and it was like a running joke because my professor was like you know he's gonna come whenever he wants I was like no He's gonna stay in there until I finish this project. <laughs> I'm stuck to this. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Are you sure about that? I was like, Yes, I have to finish this project because if I don't finish the project, then like I need my grade. <laughs> so like, you know, even you know, I really never uh let go of that. <laughs> but I would say I did just adjust to the fact that okay, well, if I do have to like if another outcome happens besides getting a C-section, cause I still was so opposed to that. Um, I really was like, okay, you know, I've done it before and yes, it was really hard, but I know that this time around, like I've already done it in a sense. Cause I like not really necessarily practice, but you know, um, so with Ezra, I, I worked up until I delivered and the pregnancy was pretty much like the same. Like uh, I, again, that got diagnosed with hyperemesis, but with this time around, like I really wasn't doing what I needed to do to like house a baby, if that makes sense. Like with mm -hmm. Azaric, I really tried to like keep a lot of like negative energy away from me. But because I was so busy with, like, um, with our first child and literally being in school and doing an internship, like, I didn't have the room to, like, be the, the perfect pregnant person. <laughs> so I would say, like, mentally, I really wasn't, like, I wasn't doing the same things that I, I was the first time around, but... I at least adjusted my mentality of saying like, okay, well, if, if it happens that I have to get induced again, like, you know, it, it is what it is. I of course didn't want to, but unfortunately it ended up happening. Again. Okay. 
So how many weeks were you with um, Ezra then? So with Ezra, I ended up, they told me that I was getting induced that day um, because he actually ended up getting diagnosed with IUGR, which is like the in utero growth reduction. Yeah, something like that. Um, And so even though that, (laughs) I mean, even though like, I should have right away went to the hospital. I didn't. <laughs> Shout out to like my um, breastfeeding, like or breasty we call them, sister Faye. She's uh, a lactation counselor um, in Atlanta. I called her and I was like, "Does this sound right?" And she was just like, "I don't know because you know she knows she has so m- much to do with." births and stuff like that so really like I trusted her in that sense and she was like you know what if you want to still go get induced obviously do what's best for you and the baby but go have lunch like go prepare like last time you didn't (laughs) get that you didn't get that mental like okay I can let me just do this so this time before going up there yeah Mm -hmm. why don't you have lunch why don't you pack your bag because last time I didn't even have that (laughs) Just there. Right, right. Yeah. So we get to the hospital, like so that was in the morning, which they told us we were getting induced, and we got to the hospital around um six thirty. And we were like, We've been waiting for you all day. (laughs) 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 And we were we were like, Oh yeah, you know, we didn't (laughs) so um there I had a a really nice nurse you know we prepared for it and I told her about what happened with Azaric and she basically said like you know if there's anything that you don't want to happen you can always decline and I don't know why I didn't think that I could do that but Mm -hmm. like her saying it it just really empowered me and just like gave me a voice that I need to speak up for myself so actually while I was um when they were preparing because I didn't dilate it they put the that balloon in me Mm -hmm. and that process hurt far worse than getting than contractions getting any and everything done and I was telling the person who was doing it I was just the resident I was like you're hurting me like Mm -hmm. I don't feel comfortable like and I was literally like holding in all these tears because I was feeling really violated in the fact that I'm like your whole entire arm is like up there you know and you're trying to unfortunately couldn't get the balloon to attack or something like that Mm -hmm. and the nurse who told me that you know you can always decline services she was like she leaned down in my ear and she whispered she was like I know this is really hard it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay after this like you know just trying to calm me down and stuff. And so after they got it situated, that resident left, and then I just broke down, like, because I never felt so violated in my life, and I was like, why couldn't, why couldn't in that moment, she just literally gave me the green light to tell someone to, you know, stop, and I couldn't still say anything. And it was just the simple fact that, like, I don't know if as women we just trust doctors, which is, insane because we're the experts of our own bodies especially we would have we would birth 
children, even if doctors weren't around. <laughs> like, we've been doing it for so many years. Right. But it's like, oh, because you have a medical degree, like, I'm going to listen to you. It seems almost as if, like, they know they're not doing it right and not getting it done, and that they would give themselves, that resident in particular, with pause and say, you know, I know I'm learning, I've done it before, but it's almost like it's ego. Like, I'm just going to keep working inside, so give yeah. that doesn't belong to a human. Like, I'm a whole human lady here. Yeah. Uh, pause. Do a reset. Check on me. That kind mm-hmm. of thing. And that's important to learn as a resident because it, it you carry that with you, those experiences as a doctor to continue treating your clients, your patients that way. Like, yeah exact. no exactly and literally like after it happened even my husband like when he looked he he was like I he just like could not even imagine cause like he's watching this happening to me her trying to figure it out even like um my facial expression like the entire thing was just bizarre and like He's like, I saw you, you know, birth as a Zarek, and even that was not as traumatizing as this, you know, because it was just, I don't even know how long it was happening, but it was like, okay, I'm trying to fight to relax so you can get this in me, and it was just not working. I don't know. But uh, I, although it was really traumatizing for the rest of the birth it just fueled me to speak up for myself and so my you know the contractions are really hard and the doc my my doctor is amazing I love her she is the one who did um a Xerix birth as well mm-hmm. and she was just like Kayla I know you're a fighter <laughs> like but I really need you to rest because like your contractions and the rest of the birth is going to be really hard and you're already at seven centimeters and Mm -hmm. if we wait any longer like you won't be able to get an epidural i was like but i really don't want one and she was like i know you don't want one but i just i just think you should and she's like obviously you don't need you don't have to get it if you don't want it but i'm just saying and i was just like uh, and then my husband was like, I really think you should get one. It doesn't make you less of a mom. Like, your heart, you know, it doesn't make you less of a woman. I don't know why you have this thing, like, you didn't want to get one. So I just, I buckled down. Then I was like, you know what? I'll, I just went to the bathroom, talked to myself in the mirror. I was like, okay, it's fine. You can get one. It's not going to really change anything. Mm-hmm. And... Lo and behold, <laughs> I had a nurse who wasn't the same nurse who was trying to help me. Um, she was there prepping for the epidural and everything. And um, she was saying, you know, you have, you ha- you know, how you have to hold still. And I was telling her, like, I can hold still. I can do it because I did it last time. But I need you to wait until after the contraction starts or stop. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. You're <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm birth now. <laughs> um, and so she's like, no, we have to do this now. And I was just like, good job. 
literally, I don't know what, what took over me. I was just like, okay, I don't want you to do this. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I, I need you out of the room. And I'm like, and she, uh, and she was just like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, the last nurse who helped me, she said, if I didn't like anything, like, I, just, I was like, <laughs> if I don't like anything that you guys are doing, you could stop. And yeah, you're not listening to me. And you're gonna end up making me be paralyzed. You're telling the anesthesiologist to like, to go when I'm having contraction and I can't stop shaking. <laughs> and so she just she didn't know, like, she was, she just was shocked. And then she went out of the room. Nice. And she couldn't, she couldn't <laughs> find anyone <laughs> to help me and ended up being that my doctor came in the room and stayed with me for 45 minutes so that they could, um, like, put the epidural in me. And she just, like, held me and everything. And it was just, like, for a doctor to do that, I just felt like, I felt like I was in a good space because I know her, like, she was my doctor and even anytime I tell anyone that, they're like, doctors never, the, like, do nurses' duties, like, you know. And even the lady who ended up leaving, and <laughs> I heard her in the hall, and she's like, she just fired me. <laughs> but that's essentially, like, what <laughs> happened. Like, and yes, I did. And I would do it again. Exactly. The doctor had excellent bedside manner. And some doctors <laughs> do hang out and stay. And... That needs to be the new normal, you know? There's a time when they did just stay. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was great because literally after I got the epidural, I went to sleep for, like, 45 minutes. And then I woke up feeling like I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I was like, Z, that's my husband's name. Um, well, his name's Isaiah, but we call him Z. I, like, I have to go to the bathroom. He's like, what? So he goes outside. He's like, she has to go to the bathroom. And then, like, she has to push. Because <laughs> he didn't know. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it was, it was as if, like, as soon as I spoke up for myself, like, my whole entire, like, labor experience changed. And, like, it just actually progressed. Because I was, felt like, I felt like with both uh, deliveries, I was holding so much in and it was in a sense, it was like making them stay in longer. I know that seems bizarre, but it was just like, because I wasn't expressing myself because I was like bottling up all of this, like anxiety. It's not bizarre. Right. Very common for women to hold their babies. Yeah. And so as soon as I spoke up for myself, as soon as I was able to relax and I felt like I was back in control, literally I pushed for Ezra, what? I mean, he basically, like, slid out. Like, he was there. <laughs> like, he was so small compared to Isaiah. He was... And I so chunky, like... <laughs> but it was, it was insane. <laughs> How much did he weigh? Uh, he weighed six pounds, five ounces. And Azaric weighed... Oh my gosh, why do I not eight? So it yeah. <laughs> so it was literally like two pounds lighter and I mm -hmm. was both of us holding him we, when we held Ezra, we were like, Oh, we don't want to drop, we don't want to break him. Mm -hmm. So he for real slid out. <laughs> right. 
There's two things I think about when you said that, how, how just going back to your first birth with Ezra, how um, even that the fact that you went longer, like went past your due date, which is still an estimate, so we have to think about it like that, um, but that you were probably holding him then, like you're holding him in, like this last project, these thoughts, these things that are happening with your um, doctor and all that stuff, like, oh, I'm not ready. And then moving forward with this one kind of being similar. I would say it was a little bit, but also like with Azaric, my first one, I really felt that I was I was mentally prepared for what I wanted it to be. <laughs> and so like <laughs> so that's why, you know, I was so like caught off guard when she was like you know, yeah, you're getting induced. Literally, like, I don't know why, just the concept of, like, anything but in a natural, unmedicated, like, oh, I'm just gonna, one day I'm gonna be doing the dishes, and then my water's gonna break, and then that's how it's gonna happen. Like, anything outside of that, I didn't think was gonna happen. Like, I was just like, no, I don't even, I don't care what you're talking about. Expect the unexpected. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're, you're right. And then with Ezra, like, I was like, no, he can't come until the 18th or until the 19th because the project was due the 18th. He ended up coming on the 9th. So he was like, uh, I'm actually the person who runs the show, not you. <laughs> They'll teach us, teach us soon enough, right? They'll teach us soon enough. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, like, I mean, even I would, like, labor has really taught me just a lot as, like, with being a mother and, you know, you can, you have this idea and this picture about what it's going to be, but, like, your children are basically the masters. They know, they really, like, other person to know everything and we're just here to like to guide them through and that like if you even look at like the way that you have labor like they come when they they're ready and then we're just a vessel for them to just come into the earth and mm-hmm. that's really like you know how I how I really parent like a lot of people say oh mm-hmm. you, you let your kids do whatever you they want <laughs> and I'm like no I just really you know like I mean my toddler I really let him, you know, when he when he wakes up, it's not really like a structure to like how I parent in in a sense. Even though like when I prepared for labor, like I was doing everything by the book, <laughs> but like afterwards I just really kind of um let him be his own person. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. Um how was the postpartum period for you to go first? So with um, Azaric, I actually had was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety, which was like, I was like, of course, the person who's trying to be a counselor and a therapist is going <laughs> to have a diagnosis herself. Like what? It was, it was just insane. And I think a lot of it, kind of contributed to um because I was really not like trying to trust the process 
And I was just so overly anxious with like, I need to make sure that, you know, he doesn't like, I was reading so many articles about like SIDS. Like I was just doing, I was like bathing him a lot. Like I just wanted to make sure he was like this perfect little person. And, um, it wasn't until I got pregnant with Ezra that it kind of like went away, which is bizarre. <laughs> like, I mean, one week I just kind of felt better. And then like four weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. And then my therapist was like, oh, yeah, your hormones regulated. Like, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't, <laughs> like, it was just kind of, you know. Um, but like immediately afterwards, like when I was in the hospital with Azaric, I kind of just felt like, <clears throat> I'm like, okay, there's this little person I have, like, no idea, like, what to do now. And no one really was there to, like, kind of help. And, I mean, I'm a breastfeeding mom, so both boys are exclusively breastfed. I still breastfeed as Eric. He's 22 mm-hmm. months. And so even that experience, like, I just really was, like, uneducated. Like, I mean, the hospital, they were kind of – surprised when I was kept saying like no I'm not giving him formula <laughs> like I was just weird it's like you would you would think that the doctors would like want you because that's the best you know for the babies but they're just like you know if he's not latching we should maybe try you know and I was always very like adamant like no we're just gonna strictly um breastfeed so it was a lot about the postpartum period with Azaric that was just very difficult because I was just like um I I wouldn't say because we have a lot of women in our family and they're really helpful like I have a great support system but because like I'm so young I would say that really like played a part in it because I really like hadn't experienced a lot of like life before I um before I had Mm mm-hmm so it kind of so, just like grew me up, like, or it made me more mature in a sense. Absolutely. How was your um, family support during the period where you were experiencing the anxiety and depression postpartum? Well, I would say it was great because my grandma, she's been there since the beginning. Like, I don't know what I would do without her. Um, literally, I would just come to her house and just be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> and she was I mean I was just here all the time like mm-hmm. uh, it's like we're yeah. co-parents <laughs> but it's not it's not really like oh she's raising them because I'm very strong-willed person and a lot of times I'm like no ma he can't have that like you know he was I remember one time like she wanted to she loves to linty ice cream. So one time she wanted to give him to linty and I was like, Ma, no, like he cannot have that. <laughs> like, so it's definitely right. She loves spoiling him. But um within that within that time, you know, she could really see that I needed help. And so that's why she was always like, oh, we'll just come over. Like, you know, it's going to be fine. She would watch him during my, like, um, counseling sessions. And for me, it was more so like a trust thing. So my anxiety really stemmed from people, 
like I couldn't leave him like I really didn't want to leave him ever like my family actually all pulled together um to to get me a Starbucks gift card so that way I would go out the house and they're like okay go like <laughs> leave the house so you can go to Starbucks and then just 30 minutes a day so they made sure 30 minutes a day or, or or so like every other day or something like that I would just go out and get a drink and that was the only time I would leave him so besides counseling once a week in Starbucks I never was leaving him and that's why it was like so hard for me because I'm like I mean he just spent 10 months with me inside I can't leave him now he's so precious his little baby <laughs> So that's where, like, it it really was, like, I couldn't let go. It was just that, like, control thing. Like, no, he's mine. Like, I want to do everything for him. Even with even with his dad, like, I was, he would, like, change his diet. And I'm like, you're supposed to do it this way, which is bizarre because he already has a son. So it's like I'm telling someone who's already been a parent for, like, around six years that they're not doing it right. <laughs> I think sometimes, too, for um, we think about so much that's happening in the world. It's, um, it's just protective. It's just like yeah. let your little person be out in the world. It's, it's hard. It's right. Hard. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? Any resources, advice, or anything else from your birth that you want to make sure that other women know? I think major- like the main thing that I will want people to know is that like we like literally can do anything <laughs> and it does sounds like so cliche but like what we envision in our minds we can manifest and even if it doesn't go exactly our way like we have the power to really um like we can really just empower our, ourselves and like even within i'm actually writing a proposal right now like for my master's thesis and it's mm-hmm. about yeah it's about breastfeeding and secure attachment so i mean like my longer career goal is to go into um maternal emotional uh, or maternal mental health and just like reading all these articles and like thinking that as moms like we have the power to like manifest our destiny within for our birth, for our children. Like we are like that person for them and they need us. And it's not necessarily the doctors. It's not the nurses, not even medicine. Like as long as we listen to ourselves, we'll be able to succeed in really anything that we want to do. And, and even when it goes wrong, cause I'll be the first to say like, I mean, even within like with within like my birth stories like there were times like I didn't listen to myself and maybe I could have alleviated a little trauma if I would have just been like hey sooner or like spoke up sooner so there's always like we we will always get second chances and I feel like within both of my births like I have had instances where I was like okay maybe I didn't speak up one time but then there was another opportunity for me to say something and I said Mm -hmm. something and it went a lot smoother and so I just like really want like moms to just know that like their voice is meaningful absolutely I love that that's um 
That's spot on because that is the challenge when we get into um, spaces where there's this deemed um, power, like the power who has the power to control this or that. And then it's also in, within, you know, the hospitals, we hear um, beyond power, it's just routine. So many things are routine that we kind of get lost in it. We're like, well, this is what has to happen, or I, I sign consent, and this is what goes along with all of that. Yeah. Not knowing that each thing they ask or require, request, is an opportunity for actual informed consent. So... Exactly. And like literally like before the nurse said that, I don't know why, like I didn't think of that. Like before Mm -hmm. she you know, she told me like and even even that, like her like listening to me and understanding like, oh, your previous time, like it didn't go the way that you expected and it was a little bit traumatic because it was so long, it was twenty three hours. And then the fact that like they were pushing you for a C section from 11 to the time that you had them, 11 in the morning till 6.31 at night, they right. wanted you to do a cesarean. So it's like, excuse me, so it's like she understood that and informed me that, you know, every step of the way you can say, no, I don't want this to happen. And we have to, we're working for you. Like, <laughs> and even like, even a part of the, the breastfeeding moms group on Facebook that I'm a part of, they always tell people that you can fire your doctors and you're work, um, they're working for you. And like, I just remembered reading all of those like articles or posts that they put up. And I was just like, oh, yeah, she said that. I read that. I can do that. All right. Bye. Get out of this room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. it's literally like I know this sounds horrible, but especially for black moms it's literally life or death because like if you they're not listening to us like so if if we're not listening to our inner voice they're definitely not going to listen to us that's true there you have it yeah thank you so much thank you for your story and your wisdom Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. This week's episode is in partnership with Natal, a podcast docuseries about having a baby while Black in the U.S., passing the mic to Black parents to tell their stories of bringing new life into this world in their own words. The docuseries also highlights the birth workers, researchers, policymakers, and activists fighting daily for better care for Black birthing parents. Tune into NATO wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit them at www.natostories.com for bonus content, their community blog, and resource hub. And be sure to follow at NATO Stories on Instagram and Twitter.